It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, quite frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League. Its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. And welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. We're in match day 26, the, the extension of match day 26, because I think it was split between two weeks, but uh, we'll be concluding today with a matchup between Chelsea and Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. I'm Mike, and I'm joined by Jared. How you doing this week, Jared? I'm doing good today. Got the day off, so it's nice to get a little earlier start than normal. Oh, good. And we actually have that uh, that Chelsea-Manchester United match on the television while we're recording right now. We're in the 24th minute. It is scoreless. Uh, the only excitement so far was that a uh, um, Manchester United player right by the sidelines was falling backwards and in doing so inadvertently kicked a Chelsea player in the uh, uh, family jewels, shall we say. And um, very exciting as the uh, the official eventually decided that uh, official and VAR, looked like there was a VAR review, decided no penalty for that, that it was not violent conduct, even though I'm sure the Chelsea player would disagree. But hey, what are you going to do? So pretty exciting week. Uh, up to this point, we have uh, a few games we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show that uh, that we had this past weekend. But the big news of the week is undoubtedly involving Manchester City. They will be playing on Wednesday, making up that game that was rained out against West Ham. Uh, but the big news is that because of a little bit of uh, financial chicanery, if you will, Manchester City got the book thrown at him by uh, the good people at UEFA who run the uh, European Club Leagues. And it's the Union of European Football Associations, for those of you scoring at home. They run the Champions League. And they have found that Manchester City has violated some of the rules and regulations they have with respect to salaries. And I'm going to go over with you in sort of a 10,000 foot level what the uh, the folks at UEFA have found. So what Mike, Mike I'm, I'm hearing... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm hearing phrases like cookbooks, 
fraud, mm-hmm. sex, yeah. courtrooms. I mean, I feel All like those. I feel like uh, 2001 called and wants their buzzwords back. So, uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's going on? <laughs> it's the boiler room. Uh, so here's the deal: the Union of European Football Associations, UEFA. Uh, they govern, among other things, the Champions League, which, which, as we've talked about before, is a tournament in which the, uh, although I guess up to the top four teams from the various European club leagues all get together and compete. So English Premier League sends four teams, the top four teams. Uh, La Liga sends teams. Bundesliga sends teams. Serie A from... Italy, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, sends teams and whoever comes out on top is the uh, the Champions League champ. Last year it was Liverpool, right? I think that's right. Right. <laughs> okay. And n- naturally, Manchester City being one of the top teams in the top, as far as I'm concerned, the top um, club league in Europe, uh, they're playing in the Champions League now. They're in second in English Premier League, so by all accounts, they'd be playing in Champions League next year. However, there was an investigation that found some financial shenanigans by Manchester City, and so let me go over what was going on there. UEFA has a rule in their club licensing and financial fair play regulations that's basically a salary cap. And what it says is that teams' salaries for their players are limited um, by the amount of money they bring in via things like sponsorship deals and ticket sales and uh, TV deals and um, when they they transfer players out and get money back. Um, You know, basically the money you bring in dictates how much you're allowed to pay your players. Is, is a very, you know, rough explanation of the rule. So it's not like a salary cap that we're accustomed to, say, in football, where there's a number. By football, I mean National Football League here in the States. Where there's a, a set number that, okay, no team shall pay their players combined more than this figure. It's sort of a team-specific salary cap based on how much money that team brings in through these various means. So, this is all important because you can, you can envision a scenario where some rich guy may buy a club soccer team and is, is independently wealthy and just says, well, I'm going to pick up Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero and uh, Mohamed Salah and, and every, you know, awesome player in Europe – and yeah, I'm gonna have to pay them a lot of money, but who cares? I'm rich. I, you know, this is my, this is my team. I want my team to win, so I'm gonna pay them whatever I want. That's what this rule is designed to prevent—to have some level of um, parity among the teams. Although again, it is a team-specific thing. So you have to, through your sponsorship deals and ticket sales and everything else, um, bring in enough money to pay the salaries you're gonna play. So, enter uh, a crown prince from the United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi. He buys Manchester United in 2008. 
and after doing so, spends money on the team just like any rich fan would spend money on their team if they wanted their team to win. And fast forward two years later, UEFA passes these regulations I talked about, the, the club licensing and financial fair play regulations fair play, fair pay regulation, something like that. Um, those are passed in 2010. They become effective in 2011, which, by the way, seems like a pretty important year to me, given that we're talking about Manchester City. We'll come yes. back to that in a moment. But uh, so now the crown prince can't just go into his checkbook and sign every awesome player in the world. He's restricted by how much money is brought in on their sponsorship deals and their ticket sales etc so enter etihad airlines you ever heard of them well you have if you've ever seen the front of a manchester city jersey because etihad has the the jersey sponsorship deal for manchester city the stadium is etihad stadium so this airline has has all over the last several years, had a major sponsorship deal with Manchester City. Well, in 2011, when the um, UEFA regulation went into effect, Etihad increased the amount of money it was paying Manchester City through its sponsorship deal. Well, okay, you know, business is business. If they wanted to do that, they could do that. There's only one problem. Etihad is owned by the Abu Dhabi prince who owns Manchester City. And Etihad wasn't really, in fact, paying Manchester City the amount of money that the financial records were suggesting, the financial records that, that Man City had to produce to UEFA to justify its player salaries. Etihad wasn't really paying... Man City all that money so you had a combination of both self-dealing because this this Abu Dhabi prince it's his own uh, holding that supposedly is paying all this money on the sponsorship deal and it wasn't even really paying all that money on the sponsorship deal so in the end it's it's just the the same situation you had before the regulations went into effect so UEFA found this out by reviewing financial records, emails. It's always emails that get you in trouble. And ultimately has imposed a penalty on Man City. And that penalty is as follows. Man City is barred for the next two Champions League tournaments. They were fined 30 million euros, which at the end of the day probably isn't a lot of money. Not to them. Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're a crown prince for United Arab Emirates, somehow I don't think thirty million. Hell, that might be what that might be what what Sergio Aguero is making right now. <laughs> um. So that's the penalty that's been imposed. Now, Man City, they're not taking this lying down. They are appealing to the Court of Arbitration for Sport which is a, a name that makes no sense. Um, we haven't mentioned this before. I, I happen to be a lawyer, um, and 
you go to court to have a trial, you go to a conference room to have an arbitration. Arbitrations are not held in a courtroom. I mean, they can be, but it's not a judicial court hearing. It's a separate, what they call an alternative dispute resolution mechanism. So a court of arbitration just doesn't make any sense to me. But hey, the Europeans can do what they want to do, I suppose. Well, arbitration for sport, I mean, they could just like arbitration, like for sport. (laughs) (laughs) We're just doing it it for sport. Um, So that, but that is apparently the the next higher um, appellate authority that Man City would have to go if they want to challenge this sanction. And they've done so, and it's going to take however long it's going to take for the Court of Arbitration for Sport to decide on their appeal. Now, they they shouldn't wait around too long because I think the next um, Champions League starts in June or something like that. But um, there's a a fair amount of, of, I'll call it confidence, if not cockiness, on the part of Manchester City leadership. Um, the, uh, the CEO of Man City, a guy by the name of uh, Farron Soriano, uh, has been quoted as saying, trust me, to the players, trust me like I trust you, this will be dropped. Which is awfully... Pretty, pretty big claim. Yeah, awfully big claim. Um, big question is, what's Pep Guardiola, Guardiola going to do about all this? Uh, you got a two-year ban. He's only got one year left in his contract. That's, is he going to stick around? You know, Should I stay or should I go? I mean, the say? players as well, too, right? I mean, you got... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some people like, like Sterling who would probably stick it out if it were two years, but if they can appeal it down to one... There's a lot of aging players that are really going to have to make a decision about whether they want to stick it out or move on in the twilights of their careers, you know, looking for a championship. I mean, Champions League is a big deal. And, I mean, Man City would easily make it um, for for the foreseeable future and certainly the next two years. And if they can't be in it, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of players that would be ticked off that they can't be there. Pep claims he's going to stick around. He says uh, that he's not going anywhere. I'm a little suspicious on that. I'm, I'm one, you know, this is a guy who he managed Barcelona. He's had great success in other leagues, and if he can't go to the Champions League, I don't know. I mean, that's just me being a cynic, I guess. But. I think it's all going to come down to what comes out of this appeal, right? Yeah. I mean. There's a big difference between one and two years, if, if that's what we're talking about here. True. Um, still still scoreless in this uh, Chelsea-Manchester United match. We're now in the 37th minute. Um, so, you know, look, I think UEFA did the right thing here. Um, if you get a bunch of, of, you know, royal families around the world buying up these teams they can pay them whatever and then you know poor little Bournemouth or whatever <laughs> some some little team um, is just going to get screwed and I mean that's why we have salary caps in in US sports um, although this isn't exactly the same kind of salary cap it, it's we all understand the principle at play here and um, 
you know, give me a break. If the owner owns the jersey sponsor and suddenly after some new regulations come into effect, the jersey sponsor says, oh, you know what? Let's let's change this deal. I'll give you an extra 2 million euro or 20 million euros. Like, you know what? That's a little fishy in its own right to say nothing of the fact that once they started investigating, they found that it wasn't even 20 million more in the sponsorship deal. <laughs> so it's like, I, I think they did the right thing. Um, but I got to say, it is a little bit surprising to me that, that Manchester City isn't already getting enough money from these sponsorship deals and, and TV. There's a thing called City TV that they have. I think it's primarily an, an online product that you can subscribe to. And you can watch the full um, uh, Manchester City match, I think, from you know whatever week you want to. Um, NBC Sports, you know, and the league put out these little like ten-minute highlight reels that you can get on YouTube for free. But uh, this is a subscription service to get the full match, um, and I'm sure that money's going to Manchester Manchester City. Um, they've I see City TV matches on the Yes Network, you know, the the Yankees network. Um, like on a Friday, it'll be like Friday at 5 p.m. and the previous week's Man City match will be on. Um, heck, I, I flipped to Yes Network and, and must have seen the the um, Spurs Man City match four times over the last two weeks. So Yes Network must be giving them something. Well, that one of the things that I I was reading about is is sort of one of the Man City sympathizers' opinion of all this is that. They're under enormous pressure to spend to compete with United and other people, the, the upper echelons. But at the same time, they're not in trouble for spending money. They're in trouble for the fraud, right? So, I mean, there's right ways and there's wrong ways to do things. So, Th There are, and, you know, <laughs> it's funny you bring up the, the Manchester City apologists because the timing of this can't be lost on, on us ugly Americans, particularly ugly Americans who are baseball fans like Jared and myself um, we've got a we've got a scandal that refuses to die right now in Major League Baseball involving the Houston Astros uh, for sign stealing and I, I will give a very quick um, rundown on what that scandal is because you might say sign stealing what's wrong with that people have been stealing signs since baseball started Yes, runners on second have been peering into the catcher to try to pick up what the sign is and signal to his batter since baseball was invented. However, there has always been, whether an unwritten agreement or, or what have you, an understanding that you don't use technology to do it. You don't use telescopes or cameras or computers or whatever if it's a, a human being player using his wits and guile, fine. If you're using machines... Stadium cameras, anything. That's yeah. wrong. And it was determined that the Astros were, in fact, using cameras um, and signaling to players, sort of comically, by banging on a trash can in the tunnel behind the dugout on the way to the clubhouse. Uh, you know, one bang is a fastball, two bangs is a off-speed pitch, whatever. Um, 
and they were doing this in 2017. The Astros won the World Series in 2017. Now, full disclosure, I am a Yankee fan. I've been a New York Yankee fan for as long as I can remember. And the New York Yankees lost to the Astros in seven games in the American League Championship Series in 2017. So naturally, you're going to have my colleagues on the Yankee fan side who say, we only lost the American League Championship Series because of the cheating that the Astros were doing. I can't come out and say that. I don't know, you know, what difference it actually made on individual pitches, individual at-bats, individual plays, what have you. You also then have Astros fans who take <laughs> who take the 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 defensive argument a little too far in my opinion and say things like, "Hey, the Astros won the World Series against the Dodgers in Game 7 in Los Angeles. We weren't cheating on the road. We were only cheating at home. So you can't yell at us and suggest that we only won this title because of the cheating. All of this misses the point, in my opinion. The definition of cheating is not predicated on whether or not the cheating resulted in you winning. You don't actually need a causal link between the cheating and winning. If you cheated, you cheated. If I'm playing chess with Jared and I take a pawn and move him five spaces forward... You can't do that, right? No. Okay. So if I do that and Jared says, whoa, 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 you can't move your pawn five spaces forward. If I were to say, well, well, let's just wait a minute. Let's find out if that pawn actually captures any of your pieces and let's see if it really makes a difference. Only then should you complain about me moving my pawn five spaces. Jared would say, shut the F up. You're cheating. Only, if the, only if the pawn's banged on a trash can. And right? he would yes. be right. So this whole, you can't blame the cheating for the Astros winning the, the postseason, I, who cares? And it's the same thing with Man City. I, I'm now going to, I'm going to question everything Man City did while they were cooking the books. And let's go back to what we said at the beginning. The regs went into effect in 2011. The Crown Prince bought the team in 2008. He started buying up players. Man City won their first English Premier League title in something like 50 years in what, 2011? Mm -hmm. Hmm. A little suspicious. A little suspicious. Now, a Man City fan will tell me, no, we won because we're awesome. Yeah, well, maybe you're awesome because you cheated. So, I I think UEFA was right. I think Major League Baseball could take a a lesson or two from from UEFA's thorough investigation. Oh, wait, we have a goal. All right, so Manchester United has scored. Um, oh, that's a good glancing header there. Yeah, it's a nice Not play. Bad. I couldn't spot who either of these players are, but... Um, all right. Oh, man, and right at the end of the first half, too. Like, we just entered stoppage time when that goal happened. So, so one, th- one thing I did want to bring up with... Uh, you know, in the comparison to the Astros and uh, Man City scandal is the way in which uh, the media is covering it. Um, 
I obviously have no skin in the Astros game like you do, uh, but I can say that that's the story has broke, I think, almost three months ago, and it is dominating the baseball news cycle to the point where I am tired of hearing about it. I, I can understand that, but I would submit that part of the reason that it's dominating the news cycle, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and, and the people are still calling in. Now, granted, I listen to sports talk radio out of New York. New York. <laughs> so maybe there's some Yankee fans who are feeding this beast. Um, but um, I'm not too sure that that's all it is. You know, they've been talking about it on Golik and Wingo still, and that's a national you know, morning sports talk show. It's just to the point where I think pitchers and catchers reported last week, but I, I guess I, <laughs> I didn't hear. Um, so, you know, I know, uh, I know, um, uh, you know, the U S media is a sens- sensationalist. Um, and I, you know, I think English media will probably give this all the, the considerations it, it's due, but I just hope they don't oversaturate the news with, uh, well, that they still report the scores and the player transactions and everything like that. So. Yeah, I, I can't say that I've got a subscription to the Guardian or any of the other British publications, but I, I, I seem to recall hearing that the the British publications can be a little sensational <laughs> in their own right. Um, and, and the only thing I want to add too on the whole MLB piece of this is I don't I don't know that the Astros did themselves any favors just this past week. When pitchers and catchers reported to spring training, the Astros had all the whole team report and then held a press conference with the owner who, let's say, was a little bit um, too forceful in his suggestion that it's foolish to believe that this sign stealing had an effect on the games and, you know. This isn't why we won the World Series, so stop suggesting that it is. You know, it's yeah. just bad optics. Bad. O- I mean, the commissioner himself is is creating bad optics by. Oh, the commissioner's yeah, yeah. He's he's not doing doing right by this either. But it just the owner shouldn't be going out there trying to suggest that no, this didn't do anything. I mean, it just to very quickly <laughs> dispose of that argument. Then why did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> if it didn't matter, why did you do it? So don't give me that crap. Uh, you know, we want if we want to get into how much of an effect and, and some sort of hyper detailed uh, mathematics uh, sabermetrics evaluation of this, Jared, you would be excellent at that, but no one has done it. So it, it would probably be impossible to do. It would probably you know. be impossible to do. And I go back to what I said before: you cheated. Period. It doesn't matter what the outcome right. was. Yeah. So, what? So one of the interesting things to think about, uh, you know, sort of a positive, if you will. Is so, what are the table ramifications of this? Man City's out, so uh, there's another team eligible for the championship league. Indeed, and after, I mean, this is pending. Um, uh, well, actually, I take that back because I think Chelsea's ahead of Spurs right now by one point. But but at the moment, um, after this past weekend, Spurs are in fifth which is the equivalent of fourth if you yeah. if you look at it that way because you're you're presuming that Man City will lose their appeal and that the fifth team on the table is going to be in essence the fourth team for Champions League purposes and at the moment that's that Spurs for reasons we'll discuss shortly uh this is probably a good time to take a break I think we're over on time 
if we were if we were live radio, that'd be a bigger problem. But the beauty of a podcast is is who cares? We don't have a commercial to uh, to send it to right now. Other than our recap of this past week's scores and the upcoming schedule, which we will give you right now, and we'll be right back. scores from the conclusion of match day 26 in the English Premier League. The action kicked off on Friday as Leicester City survived a late red card to escape with a draw against Wolves. On Saturday, Burnley topped Southampton 2-1 at St. Mary's to take a spot in the top half of the table, while Liverpool defeated Norwich City 1-0 in a match that wasn't nearly as close as the score would have you believe. On Sunday, Tottenham Hotspur needed almost every second of stoppage time to manage a go-ahead goal at Aston Villa and secure a 3-2 win, although it came at a price as Spurs forward Hyungman Son, who scored two goals, including that late-game winner, suffered an arm fracture and may be out the rest of the season. Arsenal completely outplayed Newcastle and won 4-0 for Bern Leno's 12th career clean sheet. Monday saw Manchester United blank Chelsea 2-0, and Manchester City had the same result at home against West Ham on Wednesday in a makeup of last week's rainout. This week begins with a London derby on Saturday as Chelsea hosts Spurs. Down the street at Crystal Palace, the Eagles will host Newcastle. Bournemouth visits Burnley. Brighton takes on Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Southampton hosts Aston Villa, and Manchester City travels to Leicester City for a matchup of number two versus number three. On Sunday, Norwich will try to right the ship when they visit Wolves. Manchester United takes on Watford at Old Trafford, and Arsenal hosts Everton. And on Monday, West Ham heads Merseyside to take their shot at Liverpool, who just suffered a rare loss in Champions League play against Atletico Madrid. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we're back. So let's talk in a little more detail about uh, some of this past weekend's matches that you just heard the scores from. Um, Jared, you were going to talk about the uh, the Wolves-Leicester City match, right? I was. Actually, I just had a couple comments about the games in general. They were... Um they were pretty refreshing. Um, before this weekend, roughly 50% of the 13 February games so far have, were draws. So uh, draws can be exciting games in and of themselves, but as far as affecting the table, they don't do a whole lot. <laughs> Speaking of draws, let's <laughs> talk about Wolves Leicester City, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I didn't realize there were so many draws. Right. Jeez. Well, th- I mean, that was. I mean, I didn't think they, they happen a lot. I just realized there were that But many. I was saying this was refreshing because there were five games and only one of them was a draw. So four of them, actually three of them were decided by one goal. So pretty exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, talking about Wolves Leicester, um, this was a number seven versus a number three. So definitely some table implications on that front. Uh, that was a Valentine's Day matchup on Friday. So probably the big play, in case you missed that game, was uh, in the 43rd minute, there was a goal that VAR reversed due to offside. And uh, we're going to touch a little bit on something we discussed three weeks ago when we talked about offsides, uh, because I actually disagree with this decision. But Did they call offsides on a corner kick? They did. Oh, they did? I was no, kidding. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> It was. Uh, I didn't it, watch this. It was. A, it was a pass from a subsequent corner kick. But yeah, it mm. was. Uh, corner kick was involved, and it was offsides. But mm. um, so it was a pretty interesting case uh, because there was a short corner 
Uh, and in case we haven't explained what that is, there's pretty much two types of corner kicks. There's the regular corner kick where the guy taking the corner kick actually tries to place the ball incoming right in front of the goal around four to six yards out so his uh, his players can encroach on it and get it right in the goal. That's, uh, there's also something called a short corner where it's really just a small five to ten yard pass to another player on his team. So they don't actually try to arc it in there on a loft right in front of the goal for a, a scoring chance. Uh, so Pedro Neto, um, he's the one that actually did the short corner. There was a series of short passes, uh, then a cross past the goal, possibly too far, but it's kind of hard to tell. Then there was a header, and then by this point it's right in front of the goal, and then there was a, a header goal, uh, really a good strike by Willie Bully. Um, so it was actually an impressive sequence over about 10 seconds. Um, and I was actually watching this pretty closely from the cross onward because that's where you expect offsides to happen. Um, you know, that's where the trouble is. And I actually saw nothing, uh, but they checked, you know, VAR for offsides. And I'm thinking this is going to be a no-brainer. This is going to be allowed to stand. Um, and they were showing a pictorial of, I guess, VAR actually establishes an offensive line and defensive line for offsides call. Um, red for offense and blue for defense. And... Um, it was clear with what they were showing me that a that a, a player was a Wolves player was off off sides or was on the wrong side of the blue line, um, but I had to watch rewatch the entire play after to even figure out what part of the sequence the player was uh, offside on and who it was, uh, and it turns out it was the first player after the corner um, before the cross and the offside player was Nato the guy who had taken the corner kick, um, and he was st still in the corner of the field. Uh, there were no defensive around him. So three weeks ago, we actually talked about this. I understand the rule, and I understand that refs have some leeway in enforcing it. I just didn't see the advantage that was gained from this particular offsides positioning. Now, how much, how much, how much prior to the goal was that? You know, offsides event. I mean, was it? He's five, off five or six seconds. I yeah. mean, there was a I mean, there were several other yeah, passes. There was, there was a pass, a cross, two headers, and then a goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, so positionally, he was nowhere near the goal. He was the one that had making the taken the corner kick. Um, so it's just it was a, a strange call in my opinion. I I feel like it was a little overly aggressive interpretation of advantage, as we talked about three weeks ago. Um. And, you know, kind of unfairly took a pretty big goal away from Wolves in an important spot when you consider the final score. Um, so, anyways, that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm not – I don't have a s any skin in either side on this one. But Well, you're right, though. I mean, that would have been a huge – uh, Wolves are, what, Seven. seventh? I yeah. mean, that's – everybody's so bunched up. It is. In, in that area, the, you know, the what we call like just south of the, the Champions League that anything, you know, like we, we talked before about how – Okay, yeah, Spurs are effectively fourth right now. That could all change next week. You know, it, it, there's only a couple of points separating everybody. So. You know, you win three games in a row, and you're going to be, you know, have a run and and, and pick up a couple of ranks. Um, so the other thing to mention with this game is uh, Chowdhury. Uh, he got his a red card after a second yellow card in the 75th minute. He's uh, another one with the big hair. Um, and you know, sort of lost in all this was that Wolves played, uh, you know nearly 20 minutes one man up but still couldn't get it done so it ended uh zero zero um they both get one point nothing really changes uh, you know like we were we were saying at the beginning um there is a, a linguistic thing though i i found out which is always interesting when uh he was pulled off with the red card 
The, uh, was the linguistic thing something about the, uh, the the commentators in the booth speaking English but still being unintelligible? <laughs> well, <laughs> vernacular, maybe that's a better ah, word. Yeah, that's yeah. A, so. Well, polite way to put it. Right. But anyways, they said uh, he is now in the bath for getting a red card. And I actually looked this up, and people say early bath, in the bath, when, when they get a red card. And without trying to keep this too PC... Um, that doesn't sound very athletic when I think the American corresponding thing is you tell someone to hit the showers. So I guess they take uh, baths over there okay. when we take showers over here. <laughs> I'll let you decide which one is more uh, athletic. But anyways, I thought that was sort of a funny. Uh, well, it, it is Europe and the baths were a big, you know, a big uh, meeting place for, for high ranking muckety mucks in the Roman Empire. So perhaps uh, just, just coming off of that. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's. I had no idea that they. <laughs> it's in the back. Yeah, I had to look on that one because I, I was. I actually had. Did I hear him right? <laughs> so. So does that. You mentioned there was a. He had a red card after a yellow? Yeah. No, no, he had uh, a second yellow. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because okay. yeah. I wasn't sure if that resulted in some sort of like future game. No, no. He. Uh, yeah, so he. he uh, it was an aggressive tackle towards the, the end of the game got tripped someone up in second yellow so he was out all right um and then moving on to the uh the norwich liverpool game which one uh, versus 20 yeah one versus 20 uh you would expect this to be a pretty big overmatch and uh interestingly enough it was scoreless for 78 minutes um the final score was one nothing but if you look at the secondary stats of this thing it actually was the overmatch that everyone was expecting. Um, time of possession, Liverpool was about two to one. Shots, Liverpool seventeen to five. Ouch. Passes, uh, six hundred and twenty-four to three hundred seventy-three. Jeez. Corners, seven to two. You know, it reminded me of that um, Bundesliga game that we talked about, where there was just a clear overmatch, but in this case. Uh, Norwich actually did break through at the very end. It's so. a good point by you because I saw a lot of uh, commentary about that match where Liverpool was taking it on the chin that they, you know, oh, they played like <laughs> because it was Norwich and they, you know, eked out a 1-0 victory. As you're pointing out, you actually look at the stats, it just, you know, yeah, this you is you one don't that always I, score, even if you're dominating the match. Right. So, you know, again, I don't. I'm. I'm not clear if they played earlier this year what the result was, but um, it was an overmatch despite the score. So, and you know, the uh, bottom line, it's another win for Liverpool. They extend their unbeaten streak. It's another clean sheet or shutout, um, if you prefer. They've still only allowed 15 goals, which was the same amount when we were here two weeks ago. So. They are uh, still killing it on defense, so I think that's about it for that game. Though they're they're just they're just a machine. They're I I would be interested to know where the where the the point is now that that they can clinch it all because it's it's it was already so absurdly early, and now here they have another three points. Like, depending on what happens on Wednesday with Man City, like Man City loses to West Ham or even gets a draw I mean that's just going to make the Liverpool date of destiny that much that, that much earlier that magic number if yeah, call exactly, it there yeah. yeah oh brother well so we also had on Saturday 
Burnley heading to um, St. Mary's to play Southampton. So you had a goal in this match in the first two minutes, which is, you know, if you listen to the intro of this show, I went, however many years I went, thinking that soccer was not exciting because there wasn't enough scoring. Well, hell, we had a goal in the first two minutes. I will say that the goal in those first two minutes was rather disappointing and stunning somewhat unique i mean so you know here's the situation it's just a you know run-of-the-mill corner um and um burnley's kicking the corner and it's it's the the type i can't remember the terms you used before but it's not the short corner it's the one where the the uh, kicker yeah it was taken by me driving it towards the goal and in fact bending it into the goal um which is impressive, but doesn't work all the time, and in this case should not have worked because, uh, again, Burnley taking the corner. Southampton player Danny Ings, who I think is, is their striker, he's certainly a forward, and he's an offensive stud. He's got more goals than, than Mohamed Salah from uh, uh, Liverpool. He's standing at the near post, and here's this corner kick approaching him. It's coming right at his chest. And he just sort of sashays out of the way, I guess, expecting it to bend out. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what he was thinking. The goalie was behind him. He's the first line of defense. You know, he absolutely should have just kept his body there and taken it in the chest or something just to stop the ball. But he, he moves out of the way. And because it's bending, it bent right into the goal. And the goalie is standing back there. Just after across the plane into the goal, you know, he tries to kick it out, and he sort of <laughs> throws his hands up in disgust. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I and again, it was within two minutes. Um, so, boom, Burnley takes the lead on that. It was an interesting kick, though, because it's uh, it was actually not a good corner kick because that should it be scored. The, well, wait, but that's that's where the goalie or a defenseman should be covering that post like you said i mean a, a good goal kick is one that's in in the air and hits around four to six yards out to give your 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 guys no, I, a chance I, to I get it you. in yeah you know, i know so. what um, now fortunately in a in a turn of events that actually happened a couple of times this weekend uh danny ings was able to sort of sort of uh get himself out of the doghouse because he subsequently scores in the 18th minute uh, so he uh, sort of, I guess we'll call it salvages bogey after after being the goat on that first score, and that's that was all the scoring you had in the first half. Uh, fast forward to the second half, and uh, Burnley was, you know, in fairly good control of this this match, um, and you have a, a, a sequence where Burnley uh, midfielder Hendrick. Just has a beautiful pass right at the midfield that he knocks down uh, towards uh, Burnley player uh, Vidra, who's just streaking um, right around the uh, the 18-yard box. Fields the ball cleanly and just sort of nudges it to the left a little bit to give himself an opening um, just inside the 18-yard box and then blasts it into the goal. What? Gave this game some some interesting controversy right towards the end, 82nd minute or so. Um, 
you had a situation where Burnley, who's now up 2-1, clearly, clearly had a handball in the box. I mean, like the, the, the replay was obvious. I, I don't know. Well, I take that back. I do know what, what the refs concluded. But Burnley had a clear handball. The ref didn't call it. They went to VAR. VAR said no handball on the logic that the Burnley player wasn't trying to hit the ball with the hand. It was one of these he couldn't have couldn't have done anything to prevent the ball hitting his arm and oops, sorry. Um so but that could have changed things drastically. Yeah, it, I mean absolutely. And um I thought the announcers did a, actually a pretty good job of at least talking it through, you know, the, the leeway they have. You know, did he intentionally make himself bigger? Did he try to get out of the way? I mean, he was in midair when it happened, too. You got you to gotta remember. So. Yeah, it was a handball in the box. I don't <laughs> know, man. That's – oh, well. Um, and then um, was, it, was it on Sunday that, that Arsenal took Newcastle to the woodshed? Yeah, and that was uh, – it was a kind of a lackluster game. I mean, first of all, it was a, it was a pairing of two what I call middle table teams. So these are the really they don't have any implications. This is a ten versus a thirteen. You know, it it was you know nothing nothing until the fifty fourth minute. And then there were two goals in two minutes, and then um, you know they poured it on late. I think they scored two goals again in uh, near you know near stoppage time or in stoppage time. So Arsenal wins that one four uh, nil, but. Uh, other than that, it was somewhat uninspiring. So. But if you want it inspiring, the last game on this weekend, and just doing a quick check-in here. Um, 55th minute. Yeah, I was just checking in on the, uh, the Chelsea-Manchester United match at Stamford Bridge, 55th minute. And Chelsea's... Trying to set up a scoring opportunity, and that might score. No, it did not. Okay. Anyway, um, as far as I'm concerned, the best match of the weekend, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Spurs fan, was Aston Villa hosting Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Aston Villa, they're sort of fighting for their lives, and Spurs were at the time the match started outside of oh wait Chelsea just scored alright equalizer who is that is that William no who is it number 15 I couldn't read the name oh wait they got the camera on the official and Manchester United seems to be uh -oh. barking at him oh well we'll get back to that um so anyway uh We've got Aston Villa hosting Spurs. Um, the first goal in this match was actually for Villa, although Villa didn't do the scoring. This was first goal of the match was an own goal uh, by Spurs player Toby. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time with the... the the Germanic name here, but something on the order of Alderworld. Oh, VAR says no goal. Well, VAR waved it off. 
I, I wasn't even looking to see if it was an issue of offsides or what, but regardless. All right, so Villa's up. They get an early uh, lead because of Alderworld uh, own goal. And, and, you know, it's one of these. It, it looked like he expected the goalie to field a ball that was trickling towards the goal. It, like he was sort of – if there's such a thing as stammering in your – in your running towards the ball, he was doing that. He was pausing and running and pausing and running, and, and the goalie was hesitating because it, he wasn't sure what was happening. And finally, um, Alderworld said, okay, I'm just going to kick it out. But in trying to do that, he was so close to the goal that he kicked it into the goal. So Villa's got a lead. Um, not too long thereafter, uh, Spurs equalize... Um, because Alderworld, again, remember what I was saying before about uh, uh, Danny Ings salvaging bogey by getting himself out of the doghouse on a, on a dopey play. Um, Alderworld got his goal off of a, uh, I believe, off of a corner. So um, th- that equalizes it. Then towards the end of the first half, uh, Steven Bergvine is streaking down the field and gets fouled, like right at the 18-yard box line. I-, I thought he was outside of the box. I'm not entirely sure why this resulted in a penalty kick. He looked like he was outside to me. Did you see this match? I did, yeah. I mean, didn't he look outside the box? <sighs> I'm so bad at judge of those, well, so, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> one way or another, um, a penalty kick is awarded. Um, based on this this penalty that was inside or outside the box, whatever, and that and was V. I'm sorry, that was VAR. Yeah, they reviewed. went to VAR, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, which I would have thought clearly showed that he was outside the box. Well, whatever. So, uh, Min's son takes the penalty kick. It's saved by the goalie, but the goalie can't trap it, so the ball trickles out, and on the rebound, Son is able to kick it in for Spurs' second goal. So Spurs go into the locker room, boot room, whatever they call it, whatever they call it out there, (laughs) um, with a one-goal lead. Fast forward early second half, and uh, Villa has a corner kick, and uh, off of that corner kick, Bjorn Engels heads it in. Uh, This dude, I think he's like a defenseman. He has like a foot on everybody else, just a giant compared to everybody else, which probably why he was there, right? Why he was there and, you know, a well-placed corner into his head is going to have a good chance of scoring, which it did. So so now it's 2-2, which remained for the entire second half. The officials decide there's going to be four minutes of stoppage time. Four minutes. So, naturally, that means the game's going to end around, what, the 94th minute. Yeah. Right, Jared? Yeah. My math good on that? It's good. At 93.33, I mean, I guess really at, at 93.20 to pick up the action, Villa has a goal kick. The goalie boots it out past midfield, but it's fielded by Spurs. Spurs player makes a beautiful long pass to a streaking zone 
who beats the defender, uh, who I believe was Engels, the, the guy who had uh, scored earlier, and is able to score in 93-33. I mean, it was essentially the last play of the game. Well, there was a misplay by the defenseman, right? Like, he goes, he tries to do a mid- midair trap and misses. And, you know, the hey. board is still streaking, so. Yeah. And that's that's literally the, the worst feeling as a defenseman yeah. when, you, when you're the last line of defense and you screw up. Right. And, you know, I meant to mention before, on that, that rebound that Sohn scored on um, in the first half, that was his 50th career goal. So, you know, it was a sort of an important landmark kind of number for him. So yeah. it was good. And it was it was pretty too, because it was that rebound, like we said, it bounced off the goal and uh you know, Sohn charges on the ball and you got defender closing in on him, and so he used the outside of his right foot to tap it towards the right side of the goal away from the goalie. Under it, his hand. Yeah, I mean it was it was a pretty piece of pretty piece of soccer. Um so that was his 50th, and then the, the go-ahead at 9333 uh, was his 51st. So that gave Spurs the three points, and that's why they're in fifth slash fourth at the moment. And um, definitely uh, an exciting match, which, uh, uh, like Jared said, we had a few exciting matches this, this weekend. And to me, that was the most exciting, but... We've still got a, a one nothing Manchester United lead in the we're in the sixty third minute now, so uh, we're, we're saving you from us doing play by play on this match because we wouldn't be any good. Oh my goodness! Somebody just went down. Somebody went down in the box. We might have some excitement here. I'm trying to figure out. Whom to blame? All right, so we've got a Chelsea player. Oh, that was a pull down. Ripping a Manchester United player down to the, oh, it's Fred. Ripping Fred down to the ground. Boy, I would have thought that 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 sure looked to me like it was inside the box. We keep coming back to this this principle that I feel like it's where the foul starts, not where it ends. Oh, like, okay, so I could see that. I, yeah. That's the, and that's fair. I think I'm watching where the body falls. Right, and they can fall like three or four yards yeah, you're right. inside the box, but I think it's where it starts. Good point. Well, we are running up on uh, longest episode ever, and uh, hopefully, we made it entertaining enough for you that you all don't mind that. Um, anything else before we close out, Jared? No, I think that about covers it. I think that about covers it. We'll uh, we'll obviously stay tuned to uh, any additional developments in this whole Manchester City cheating scandal, and uh, maybe we'll have something to talk about on that next week. But but if not, we will uh, certainly have more games to talk about and uh, other uh, interesting tidbits about the game and the league that we can uh, make you all aware of at that time. So with that. Thanks for listening. We don't have a show if it isn't for you all. So thanks for joining us on this, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Have a great week, everybody.